that's when I started to work on and discovered the power of human thought. And wow, that, that just opened up everything for me that I began to realize there's nothing happens unless first the thought. And then when I thought about that, I said, by golly, we need to be careful of what we let in so that we don't let it out. In other words, edit your thinking because a thought creates an emotion and the combination of those two create a behavior and an attitude and the combination of that over time will develop into your habits and that will determine the circumstances you now call your life. I mean, I worked with people from that spectrum from one end to the other, and I've actually seen miracles in the way people's lives have changed by helping them manage their emotions and understand the power, the power of the human mind and how to use it directly. Welcome to the Thought Leader Revolution with Nikki Ballou. Join the revolution. There's never been a better time in history to speak your truth, find your freedom, and make your fortune. Each week, we interview the world's top thought leaders and learn the secrets of how they built a six to seven figure practice. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice. Welcome to another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. I'm your host, Nikki Ballou. And boy, do we have an incredible guest lined up for you today. This man has been one of my business heroes. He has been the number one representative in three separate network marketing companies. This gentleman was a college professor. He was also a dean at a college. And as a young man, he won the National Invitational Tournament Basketball Tournament, and he played with some icons in basketball, such as the great Lenny Wilkins and the great John Thompson. I am speaking, of course, of none other than the one, the only, the legendary George Zalicki. Welcome to the show, George. Well, thank you very much for having me on the show. Oh, it's the, the pleasure is all mine, my friend. So, George, I, I, I've known you and known about you and your work for a very long time, and I admire you greatly, and, and I'm just tickled pink that you're on the show, but my listener, he or she may not know you quite as well. So let me tell you who my listener is. My listener is a man or a woman who is a heart-based entrepreneur. They want to make a difference in the world. They have some expertise. They have a desire to go out there and live a life of purpose. And the reason they listen on the show, they listen to the show, I should say, is they want to learn from you as our guest expert how they can take their life, how they can take their business to the next level. But before they do that, they need to get to know you a little bit. So tell us, how'd you get to be the great George Zalicki? Well, it wasn't, it wasn't a simple journey. I don't think becoming good at anything is a simple journey. It takes a great deal of truthful introspection of yourself any weaknesses you have, you know, you need to work on them. Uh, and it takes a lot of failure. A lot of people just think you arrive at the top of the mountain, and I never saw anybody get dropped there by a helicopter, uh, you know, to say, hey, you've made it. I never felt that I was not special. I always felt somewhere inside of me uh, that I, I had something special to do. And uh, the journey was long and arduous. You know, I had polio as a young child. Uh, I was in an iron lung in an isolation hospital for the summer. I was sent home with not a very good prognosis. And I had two very faithful Christian women, my mother and my grandmother, that worked with me day in and day out, uh, applying uh, hot woolen uh, cloths to my back and legs where I had the polio. And eventually I got to move around. But what I learned during that period, I think, uh, set me up for the work I do today because I was misinterpreting what was going on. I thought that I had enough pain and anguish with dealing with the polio 
But now I'm home and hot blankets and woolen being wrapped on me, uh, you know, barely be able, they were scalding in my experience. And I remember thinking as a child, haven't I had enough? It wasn't until some years later, as I looked at that again, that I realized the love and the depth of love that my mother and my grandmother and the faith that they had that what they were doing was going to help me. And uh, it certainly did. So that initial interpretation set the seeds for some of the things I came to later in my introspection and my research and study that made me realize that lots of times what's good for you, you don't experience it as good when you're going through it, but it is very good. It serves you well. Uh, After that bout, I had to deal with uh, not being picked for for the sport events. You know, I grew up in the city, so you, know, the, you played ball in the streets. And, uh, you know, uh, and it was kind of funny because the baseball was wrapped in, in tape. It was a, more like a shot put than a baseball because who could <laughs> afford one? And, and, the, uh, and the, the, the first base was probably a hubcap that somebody picked up somewhere. Uh, second base was an old shirt. Uh, and third base was something else, and home plate seemed to be the fat kid who couldn't run. And there was maybe a hundred kids come out on Saturday morning. Baseball was the deal, okay? And so they'd come out, and you realize, well, they're only going to pick nine on each team. And uh, so I never got picked. And I used to sit on the curb, and I discovered something else about human nature sitting on the curb, is that I, I was getting envious, and I was getting kind of nasty inside, because uh, most of the kids, when they, all the teams were picked, they just took off and did other things. And I would sit on the curb and say, well, if somebody gets injured, I can probably get a chance. And I realized that that's part of our nature, too. I didn't like it. Uh, but another thing I didn't like is when adults walked by, and said, hey, why don't you give the kid a chance? For me, that was chalk on the board. Somehow I recognized that something had to be different, and then it dawned on me, and this was something that never left me. It was such a life-teaching lesson. You know, they picked two guys to be captains of the two opposing teams, and they used a baseball bat, and they threw it up in the air, and then one guy grabbed it, and the other guy's hand went on top of that, and then over and over till they got to the top of the bat. The one who closed off and sealed with the top of the bat got the first pick. And I thought, wow, pretty interesting observation here. Well, who did they pick? Well, they picked Johnny because he hit two home runs last week, and now it was the other captain's turn. Well, he picked Joey because he was the best shortstop out there. And it was a process of talent reduction as how the teams were built. And that taught me something, that you don't just desire to be there. You need to get prepared to be worthy of where you're going. And that's where I find most people, they lack that second half, the preparation, the dedication, the discipline that's required to become good at anything is basically devoid from most people's lives. Unfortunately, I've trained hundreds of thousands of people in 23 different countries, and I interview them massively. I sit with them. I go to dinner with them, and I just study and listen to what they say about their lives. And all of my research and study has come from direct face-to-face observations and counseling. And, and so as I grew up, okay, I started out, I went to the seminary for a year. I thought maybe I had a vocation. And at the end of the year, I realized that that was not for me. Uh, so I, I left and then I went to uh, two more high schools. My last two years was in a big public school where I was recognized as a very good athlete. It was all district and all state and all those things in two sports was football and basketball. Now I was six foot six, 245 pounds, and I could run and I could jump. So I certainly got through the polio okay. And then I had all sorts of offers to go to college. And in my family, nobody went to college. My dad was a factory worker. They were two of the most wonderful human beings uh, I've ever known. Talk about values. If I didn't have values after coming from the example 
and dedication they gave to us developing our character, I'd never be doing what I'm doing today. So I'm eternally grateful for the kind of influence I had right in a very modest home. Money was not something we had very much of, but love and discipline and the right things, the right type of thinking was our foundation. And uh, so I was so confused because, uh, you know, we, we, I had four brothers and I was so confused because I didn't realize, but my parents were a little embarrassed of college coaches coming to the house to talk to them about recruiting me. And I could sense that because we lived on a, in a tenement house. And, uh, and so I didn't realize at the time that that was going on, but it was always, uh, so I said, forget it. I'm confused. And one day I was walking downtown and I saw the military building where they have the army, the navy, and all this. <laughs> you talk about thinking you have a plan in life. Get out of your own way and let it flow. <laughs> so, so I went ahead and I walked in that building. And I, I said, well, my uncle Jack was in the navy uh, in the Second World War. And I liked his uniform. And I said, I like Uncle Jack. I'm going to go join the navy. Now, I'd just gotten out of high school. And so I go in there and the, the guy's at lunch the recruiter. So I walked down past the Air Force and I said, ah, I don't think I want to fly any planes. <laughs> Little did I know what would be involved in that, but I didn't like it. I'm about ready to leave the building. And I hear my name shouted out, George Zalicki, is that you? And I said, yes, come here. There was a Marine Corps staff sergeant. Well, by four o'clock that afternoon, my picture was in the sports edition with me with a Marine Corps hat on, a football in one hand and a basketball in the other, and it said, Zalicki gives it all up for the USMC. Wow. So by July 10th, I was in the Marine Corps, and I just graduated in June. And, uh, and I was 17 years old, so my parents had to sign for me uh, to go into the Marine Corps. Now, when I come out of the Marine Corps, I didn't have any business acumen. I was a good Marine. I was an expert rifleman. I could do all the physical things really well. But when I come out of the Marine Corps, what do you do next? So I got a little construction job, and I loved working hard. I, I, just, I just loved putting in a good effort. I learned that from my dad. If someone's paying you, give them everything you got. And uh, so I, I, I live by that. I dig a hole faster than anybody, uh, lift up concrete is heavier than anybody else. And so I was, I was devoted to, to doing a good job. And then I decided that uh, I could sing. So I started to go to little parties and things and start singing. And a TV personality got a hold of me and said, I like what you're doing. He said, let me, let me uh, get behind you and see what we can do. Well, he bought me the most beautiful sweater I ever owned in my life. He got my hair fixed, and off we go to New York. And I had two auditions in New York, and both were interested, but both said that he couldn't uh, come along for the ride. They handled all their people uh, within their own organizations. So we walked down on the street. He said, he said, go back up there. They're really interested in you. And uh, I said, uh, no, if they're not interested in you who brought me to the dance, I'm not interested in them because they might leave me off somewhere too. So I just gave it up thinking, uh, you know, that would just be uh, a dream uh, unfulfilled. And it was at that time that I started to look for things that you know, that I felt I could do. And I got started, I think I started originally with Amway. And, uh, but I didn't do anything with it. I actually was appeasing a neighbor that really wanted me to get involved and I, I never really did. But I, it did put a hook in me. The thought of tiered earnings, the thought of doing something well and developing people that could do something well was fascinating to me. I said, what a theory of acquiring money. And you don't need to open a storefront. You just need to get off your fanny and get out there and uh, know what you got and, and uh, see what you can do to engage other people. Because I knew one thing. Nobody that I knew that was successful got there alone. We need partners. We need people that line up with our philosophy and that, that are on the go. And, and so I like the whole theory of uh, network marketing, although I didn't do much there at all. And then I moved on to the Shackley Corporation and uh, I went to the top there 
and they took my whole family and me to Hawaii. And boy, oh boy, this is this is the living. And I would just go, and and then I'd get another offer later on. So I probably have been in four or five uh, network companies. Some some really good, and some just not so good. And you'd build up a big income, and then something would happen with the management, and the company would go out of business, or you'd have problems with the ethical things that might have been going on. And uh, I couldn't recruit anybody into something I didn't believe in. So you have your wins and your losses. I, I ended up uh, at one point. I went to uh, I used the GI Bill to get another degree. And then I went on to an engineering, industrial engineering school in Pittsburgh, where I was hired to work in contracts, government contracts with defense products. And I had two careers or two stints with that, one with one company and one with another. And during that period, now I'm working. I've got a job and I'm, you know, I'm going to nine to five or six or whatever. And then I received a phone call. And it was from a college uh, up in Providence. It was uh, Johnson and Wales University. And they said, George, we're, we're looking for a basketball coach. And you've been highly recommended. And we'd like to talk to you. And so uh, I went to the interview. And when they told me what the salary was, I said, God, I can't live on that. I mean, I got a family going. I said, if you could match my salary, I'll start there. And uh, th so then, <laughs> this was hilarious because they, I said, what other jobs do you have besides, well, we could make you the athletic director and we can pay you X amount more. I said, I'll do it. And I said, anything else? I said, we got to get to that number. So it ended up that I was the uh, baseball coach. Okay. I was the director of student activities. And then I, I was a, a, a golf coach. Okay. And the uh, basketball coach. Wow. And I had to teach a course and the course that they wanted me to teach was psychology, which was my passion anyway. So, uh, uh, so I, I said, okay, well, during that tenure there, uh, I had been promoted to the Dean of, of satellite campuses of which the college had four uh, spread around the state. Well, once you assign your faculty, you really don't have much to do. So here I am sitting in a nice office going in every day, and the library is right next to me. Well, by golly, I just tore into it. I couldn't wait to get to work in the morning to do more research and writing and studying. And, and out of that came my passion for helping people with what I felt was not being emphasized or taught. You either had two sophisticated uh, uh, people and doctors and psychiatrists talking about mental health, and it was always mostly from a fixing uh, type of, of modality, mm -hmm. and not so much about how do you how do you uh, prevent you from getting there, or how do you correct things that are in there that maybe that modality is not working, and maybe a lot of people will never go near it, and and that's when I started to work on and discovered the power of human thought. And wow, that, that just opened up everything for me that I began to realize there's nothing happens unless first the thought. And then when I thought about that, I said, by golly, we need to be careful of what we let in so that we don't let it out. In other words, edit your thinking because a thought creates an emotion and the combination of those two create a behavior and an attitude. And the combination of that over time will develop into your habits. And that will determine the circumstances you now call your life. I mean, I worked with people from that spectrum, from one end to the other. And I've actually seen miracles in the way people's lives have changed by helping them manage their emotions and understand the power, the power of the human mind and how to use it directly. And I, I started out by, you know, small groups and the small groups would, would end up uh, getting to be larger all by referrals. I never advertised. And I just developed over the years. I just kept getting more and more demands for my work to be on stage. I've given uh, talks to 10 and 15,000 people, uh, you know, across Europe and the United States, but I never pushed anything. 
I, I never reached out to say you should hire me or I just let it be what it was. I, I just felt that was that was fine. I was doing very well uh, financially. And so it wasn't something that I needed to do because my business, my networking business had grew very, very large. Uh, so I, I guess, Nikki, from there, my passion expanded. Hmm. And I and there was a lot of validation. I get letters today. I get emails from people 20, 30 years ago. You know, they may see something I, I did or hear from something, somebody who was talking to me, and they'll send me the most incredible letters. Of, they're now married, they've got children, and that I was the key person that taught them the values that they wanted to live their life by. And, and that, that happens very, very often. I had young men that were in trouble that today are enormously successful in riding the right side of morality with their lives and passion for helping others. So I've had a very fulfilling life in terms of is my work rewarding to others as well as myself? And the answer is unequivocally, uh, yes, it's, it's been proven. And so now I uh, sold my business, okay, uh, and I, it was about four or five years ago. Uh, and I sold it to my partner, who I love him dearly to this day. Art we Napolitano. Had, uh, yes, and he's he's a legend too. And the thing about Artie is that uh, we had complementary skills, and that's an important distinction in a partnership. If you both have the same skills, you might try to outdo each other. But if you have complementary skills, then one set of skills supports the others, and that creates a powerful dynamic for getting things done. That is exactly what Artie and I have had and still have to this day. We still do business and other things today. So there's a love relationship between the members of the families, and, and uh, you know, it's just it's a beautiful thing. So I know how, how things can work, and I know the things that get in the way. And I do a lot of counseling for friends, like right here in Knoxville. Uh, you know, I know a lot of very powerful people here. Some are happy, some aren't. And the distinction between who is and who isn't is what are they focused on? What, mm. what drives them internally? Uh, what do they think is, is important to drive their energies in life? And I can tell you this, that the people I find that are the happiest are the people who have a smile on their face, want their lives to have value and meaning beyond themselves. And they're, they're contributors. And, and I'm going to say, say this too, if you'll permit me. This world today needs more of what you're up to. Okay? It needs more of it. We are in a, a place in our own country, for example, where we're being asked to make a choice. You're either going to live by proven principles, eternal standards of behavior and morality, or you're going to make it your way. And what we have now is a very, very serious problem. And that is that what it's like, as long as I believe, whether it's deception or not, as long as I believe that my cause, my end game is of great value, then any way I get there is going to be okay. Lying, cheating, everything else. And boy, oh boy, is that toxic is that toxic to the soul of not only the people, but the nation. And so I'm, I'm very glad to see there are people like yourself and many others out there that are saying, hey, we may not have the whole world, but we got enough of a world. And I think as people discover the confusion that's going to continue, they may be more open to an alternative way of thinking, which will go back to the universal spiritual laws that were given to us by our creator. And, and so that's, that's where I'm at. When I, and then, you know, I sat there and I said, what am I going to do? And, you know, I'm 80 years old. And uh, I only, like, got off the, the, the wheel about a year or so ago. But I'll tell you what happens. I started to think and spend a lot of time meditating and I had a, a, an unrest that wasn't bad, but it was there. And the unrest was, <clears throat> you're not done. You not know, by maybe a long you shot. No. no. Maybe you can't stand and jump like you used to, but your mind still works and your heart still works. And, and so I, I just said, you know what, I'm just going to uh, let it flow and see what shows up. 
So um, that that's where I'm at. In fact, the crazy things that happen, I'm being interviewed, I think it's, yeah, it is tomorrow. I'm being interviewed by one of the top magazines here in the town because somebody uh, met me and uh, said, you need to meet this guy. And here, here's the editor and owner of a magazine, uh, has already come out once, and uh, he said, I'll be out with the cameras uh, on Thursday, and I really want to do an interview. Now, I didn't chase any of that, it's my point. But it seems like the big guy upstairs is, is saying, hey, uh, you're not done, buddy. I got more things for you to do. So I'm working on my health. I'm trying to get stronger uh, because I have a lot of uh, back pain. And, and so that I don't take medication for it, but I need to get off my feet. And so I've done a lot of great work on stage in a great big leather chair interacting with the audience. So I find ways. Uh, and usually I work intensely with groups of 20 or 30 and do intensive work with them uh, right to their face, right in the room with other people present. And it, it, it works. It works. So I've taken some risk. I will say things uh, to people uh, that might be hurtful if you want to be politically correct and not be truthful. Mm-hmm. But I ask permission. Can I tell you exactly what I see through my eyes and experience? And they always say yes. And I'll just tell them that uh, their thinking is not aligned with anything that's going to work long term. And I'll suggest the correction. And I tell people, if I'm doing a group of like 30 intense like that, I say, listen, pay attention. Because when I'm dealing with one person in a room this size with 30 people, at least 10 more of you have the same issue. Same issue. So pay attention. And this works because we're all human beings. We all struggle through life and we try to find meaning. We try to find answers and we need to clear up our thinking. So I'll turn it back to you, but that's, I hope I've been uh, informative Oh my enough. God, George, I, I, this is the longest a guest has just gone on on their own. It's almost 26 minutes, and I have been in rapture listening to every word you said. So you, you've been great. There's a lot that you gave us, a lot of gold in there. I want to unpack some of it. So one of the things you talked about early on in your answer was the importance of preparation. I have a yes. good I have a good friend of mine. He and I did uh, did some work together uh, in business, and we also did some work together around health and fitness. His name's Mark McCoy. Mark is a Olympic gold medalist in uh, track and field. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's in his late fifties now, and he's still in incredible shape. If you if you look uh, uh, below the neck, he looks like he belongs on a podium. He's got like four percent body fat. He's, he's he's just unreal. Mark said to me. Uh, something when I was first getting to know him. He said to me, when he was running, he didn't always believe he was going to win, right? And it, it was in response to a story about Michael Johnson, the great Olympian who who said that, you know, whenever he got into a race, he always went for victory and that that's all he ever wanted. I said, so Mark, was that you? Did you always go for it? I, he, he said, no. Sometimes sometimes I thought I was going to win. Sometimes I didn't think I was going to win. I said, but you're an Olympic gold medalist. He says, but I'm still human. And I said, so what was the difference? What, what was the difference between the times you thought you would win and the times you were not sure, right? And uh, he said, well, it was always a function of my level of focus and preparation. If I'd done the work to prepare, I was confident I was going to win. And if I had taken shortcuts, I was not confident I was going to win. And the result was I usually won when I was confident I was going to win, and I usually lost when I was not confident I was going to mm-hmm. win. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's pretty powerful stuff, right, George? Absolutely. You need to believe First in yourself. I do a lot of work with uh, helping people through the origins of their self-image and their belief systems about themselves. And I ask them to have the courage to wipe the slate clean and see what you really think of yourself. Eliminate all the people who suggested you could or couldn't, you'd be good at this or bad at that, you're limited, you're smart, you're dumb, whatever. Let's put a great big eraser on that and let's look at life and your place on the planet. And let's see where you, where you are. What do you really believe? What are your spiritual values? Do you have any? You know, we, you, you know, we all need a foundation of some sort. 
And, and so I work with them. And then I tell them when we're all through crying about mommy, daddy, whoever you know, did their bad deeds as we perceived them to us, uh, I, I would say, no, we need to start with forgiveness because you no longer want to carry. They were well-intentioned people. But when we're little beings growing up, every person around us is God. We're trying to please them. We're, we're sponges looking for love and feeling good. So we'll buy into just about anything they tell us. But the problem is some of it doesn't work. But we go on and we'll always be acting consistent with the deep beliefs we have of ourselves. If you think you're weak, you'll show up weak. If you think you're powerful, you'll show up as powerful. And so I, I, I work on that. And then I, I, I would tell them, uh, when you walk into a room, you come in as a light or darkness just by your aura, just by your presence. You're either coming in as what I call a case or you're coming in as a possibility for greatness. And, and people's become aware that, that certain people have the ability to discern that energy that surrounds people. If I was given a gift, and I think I've been given plenty, I do have an ability to uh, kind of see inside of people what's really going on with them. And it's, and it's been proven over and over again in many of my one-on-one -on -one interactions and counseling with individuals. So life has meaning, buddy, and you well know it. No. And you're up to doing some great things. And Thank you. That's very kind of you. It's very kind you know, of you. We, uh, Teresa, my lovely better half, and myself, we have a mission. And our mission is we're looking for good men and women who have a passion and a purpose within them that um, was planted there by God. And they want to have that purpose be fulfilled. And they're good at what they do, but maybe they're not so good at uh, the selling part. Um, a gentleman I interviewed earlier today said uh, there's this concept that uh, the, the writer Daniel Pink calls non-sales sellers. These are people who own businesses and you know need to learn how to sell to scale, but the very idea of selling just conjures up these unpleasant thoughts in their head like manipulation and slime balls and that sort of thing. And so the, our vision is to help folks like this sell from the heart, to help folks like this be able to like lead from love. One of my mentors, a man by the name of Mark Von Muser said to me, George, your biggest competitive advantage in business is how much you care about your fellow man and woman. What's your mm. comment on that? Oh, I, I think that's absolutely it. Okay. In order, like I said, in order to do anything worthwhile, you need worthwhile people engaged with you. And that's a sorting process. Not everybody wants to do good things or great things. Not everybody is willing to be uncomfortable to get to be somewhat comfortable. And so you, you have to be able to distinguish where your energy will build in alliance with what you're up to and when to kind of let go that you're not going to be everybody's teacher and you're not going to inspire or motivate everybody you meet or speak to. So that, that's a process of, uh, I think, maturing uh, intellectually yourself and spiritually to know that uh, and I'm not everybody's mentor, no. okay? So, but huh, it's all about caring. I mean, you can't miss when you, I, all the happy people I know are always trying to do something meaningful with their lives and for others and their families and their friends and their communities. They're the happiest people on the planet. No, that's true. It's, it's, it's almost seems like, how do we miss it? You know, it's, it, to me, it's a, the mystery is, can't we see this? You know, you're absolutely 100% right. And the challenge for a lot of people is that they, they just were brought up to see things differently, and especially in the business world. I mean, there, there's this whole stigma around selling. There are these folks who are like closers. They get out there and they close people. And most people, when they come and run into one of these closers, they just want to run. They can't, they can't stand being around one of these folks. My, my friend Mark says these are people who have what he calls commission breath. <laughs> you know? yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I like it too. And, and so we want people to, to believe in their heart that 
sales can be an act of deep love and an act of deep service, right? You talk about the power of love a lot in your talks, George. I've seen I've seen you do that. I think it's really important that people understand that love is is the basis of all business. You talked about how you and Art and your families come from love with one another. Can you expand on that a little bit? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I believe my personal belief is that divinity is pure love. God is pure love. Hmm. We we can mess it all up, but there's a consistency because if God, that person that we know or believe in, if it had potentiality to do anything other than be consistent with its true nature, then it wouldn't be God because you'd have to keep chasing to find out that which is unmoved and in out of itself is always and has been. And that's a hard concept to gather. But logically, uh, you can conclude that, wait a minute, if I'm pure love, meaning I'm God and I'm pure love, I don't have any choice. That's my nature. That's me. Now you have us down here with a, a, a will, a free will. We can choose for ourselves. But we better get real clear. The gift of life places a demand of purpose for each one of us. It may not be a big purpose, but it's a purpose. It has to be a purposeful life. Maybe it's to be the best grandfather. Maybe it's to be the best dad or the best coach, but always thinking of others and putting a smile. You know, I have a little exercise, okay, that I do. Uh, I like to walk through the market every, just about every day, the supermarket. And uh, for the exercise, I hang on to the, to the cart and I walk as far as I can. I sit down, then I walk some more. But I have one mission every time I go to the store. I want to make one person feel better that day than when they started their day. And it's so easy to do. Sometimes it's a smile. It's just the, it's just the way you interact with people and they feel comfortable, like, wow, somebody actually acknowledged me. And I like to do it when I see all the semi or retired people at the registers and you know they're they're there because out of necessity so if you can brighten up their day at all tell them their hair looks great or thank you so much you know i appreciate your service they almost pass out <laughs> and it's so simple to do now i go in the supermarket and there's people hey george how you doing today <laughs> I'm going, I'm going, this stuff works you know it, it it totally does work it totally does work you know, one of the one of the most powerful things I learned from you was the importance of mastery of emotional response. Right. This morning I was at the gym and I had a not so great emotional response. There was a fellow. He's, he's a guy I know. There. He was in a locker next to me, and I said, "Hey, listen, give me a second. I'll get out of your way." And and he didn't give me a second. And he he opened his locker, he took his stuff off, and then I got annoyed and I said, "Oh, I told you, just give me a second. And he, 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 he was embarrassed. And um, what happened right after that is uh, I, I just was, was amped up a little bit with this uh, energy of annoyance. And I slammed the door on my, uh, my fanny pack buckle and I broke it. <laughs> right? <laughs> Karma. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I was like, oh, geez, I'm going to the game tonight with my son, my 13-year-old and one of his buddies. And, and I, I, I used a fanny pack to carry my wallet and everything rather than, you know, because it's summertime here in Toronto. I'm not, I'm not wearing clothes where I can stuff wallets and keys into so easily. And I'm like, oh. So, you know, that, that was important to me. I, I had a poor emotional response. And yet, since I've taken on being aware of my emotional response, I, I've become better at it than I ever have been. And I realize that for me, to get to the level I want to get to inside a business, that's what I got to work on. I've got to get this dialed in at a level that I've never even imagined I, I, I needed to before or I yeah. could. And that's my focus. And I, I was listening to your program, uh, Experience to Make a Difference, just a couple weeks ago. And that was the line you said, the mastery of emotional response is the key to all winning. And that line has been going round and round in my head ever since I heard it. Well, I'm going to tell you something, Nikki. The more that you uh, filter through that awareness, the more you're going to see it as true. Because things happen. The only choice you have, no matter what it is that comes at you, is the choice of response. 
And when you look at your emotions and you say, well, that's a normal emotion, you know, to be angry, to be upset, to be envious. Yeah, they're just descriptions of the condition that is potentially within us. It's, it's, it's not a law. I don't have to feel mad if I don't choose to. I don't have to be angry if I don't choose to. So I'm choosing the responses I have making on that I'm not, that what you did made me react this way. That's not true. So when, when people become enlightened about what emotions do, I call them servants or destroyers. There, it's there's so many things that are, are you know, potentially explained. Well, I, I was mad or I was upset or I was jealous. or I, Yeah, those are all emotions. But if you look at the underpinnings of why do you feel that way? What did you get mad about? Because I'm going to tell you something. Here might be a quick cure. What happened? Uh-huh. Okay, when did it happen? Uh-huh. Well, that was uh, before you had the emotion. Is that correct? Yes. Well, why don't you have a choice about how you were going to hold that? You had a choice that you gave up. Sure, that emotion might kick up. You might say, oh, I'm really starting to get up. I'm putting the pin in that baby right now. I'm going to breathe in some calmness, give this thing a settle, and move on. So it, it, emotions, I'm telling you the work I've done with people with their emotions, and when they see it, you know, and I say, well, what, who, oh, he always makes me mad. I say, well, let me teach you something. He cannot make you mad without your permission. Now let's look at where you could deal with this better. But you're giving that person permission if you're buying the emotion of anger, resentment, bitterness, hatred, you're, you're, you're in charge. Who was it? Was it Elno Roosevelt that said, no one can belittle you without your consent? There you go. It's the yeah. same, exact same concept. Yeah, yeah. It's very, yeah. very powerful stuff. Very powerful stuff. So, George, I am a huge fan of your work. I've listened to you speak numerous times, and I've bought many of your uh, audio programs. And, and, and I know that you and your fabulous wife, Eloise, have offered a uh, discount to anyone who's interested in picking up any of these products. So I'm just going to go ahead and talk about these. So, George, you've got two talks that I absolutely love. My favorite ones are your original Profile of a Champion and Mind and Emotion. Those are, those are incredible talks. In fact, I love them so much that we, we bought uh, 20 licenses for that for our E-Circle Academy members. But for anyone who's listening to this podcast, if you want to get George's work in a more uh, distilled way, in a way that can really help you take action in your life and your business, go to his website. Go to georgezalecki.com. Uh, and Zalaki is spelled Z-A-L-U-C-K-I. So it's George, G-E-O-R-G-E-Z-A-L-U-C-K-I.com. And uh, there is a discount code that they've offered us. And this coupon code is called ECIRCLE. And it's it's for, for you as our listener. And it'll give you a 20% discount off of any of his CDs or MP3s. I highly recommend the following experience to make a difference, which is his flagship program, six hours worth of incredible content, the profile of a champion, the original one, and mind and emotion. George, would you say these are like three of the most powerful programs you've ever done? Yes, they are. Uh, another one that I did that, this is interesting. I, I did a talk called Breaking Survival and Security Addictions. Yes. Okay. That talk never really caught on. And, and, uh, and it wasn't because it was listened to and rejected. It wasn't listened to. And that offered me a tremendous insight. That it was the association of the title that frightened people. You know, uh, breaking survival and security addictions. Because if w- what you will do, okay, to uh, survival, we all know what that means. But some people will do some pretty weird things and get way off track out of the motive of survival. And security is mankind's greatest solution. There is no such thing. So survival, let's look at it for a second. Life, you have it. Life, you don't have it. Then you have a belief system about what might follow. But we're on a terminal journey from the moment we take our first breath. We're, we're heading to the end, and we don't know when that end comes. So survival, 
okay, is, is like, well, why, why give too much worry about that? Let me worry more about other things. Security is the biggest illusion. There is no such thing. You have a marriage, it breaks up. You have a love affair, it breaks up. You have a job, they fire you. You have a career, it doesn't work. You buy, get a business, you go broke. So security, the only security you can count on is the character that you've developed that might take you to the next game with another chance. That's about it. The nature of who you are is your security. Because everything else out there is so transitory of nature and it's being faster and faster and faster today than ever. Years of saying, I'm going to work for this company for 35 years and retire with my gold watch and a check, those are gone. Today, it's adaptability, adjustment, adjustment, adjustment. Okay, so if you don't have a good foundation psychologically and spiritually, uh, life is going to be far more difficult uh, than you had hoped it would ever be. You know, that's so bang on. It, it, it's absolutely so true. So, George, we're, we like to end off each one of our episodes by asking you as our guest expert for what we call your top three expert action steps. So like, what are your top three bullet points, you know, business hacks, life hacks that you recommend our listener absolutely take on right away to take their life and business to the next level? Well, I would say the first thing to do is to take a complete self truthful inventory of where you're at in life and truthfully why you're there. That's the first thing. Establish a purpose for your life that goes beyond the material and financial. And in that same category, you're driven by one of two things. For years, I followed the Freudian idea that man is driven to seek pleasure. But then as I did more and more work intensely with people, I said, that's not it. I know a lot of people that have a lot of stuff, okay, that are pleasurable. They go to the great hotels. That, I mean, you, you get fat and <laughs> overweight and everything. Pleasure? Be careful. Then I discovered the real thing that we are after, and that's meaning. Meaning. So if you motivate yourself from finding a noble meaning for your life, because meaning leaves legacy of eternal value for others. So meaning, get away, pleasure, know how to be with it, know how to be without it. That's number one. Number two, okay, put personal integrity at the helm of your life and all that you say and do. Why? Because your character defines you in the eyes of others, and you're going to need others to do anything worthwhile with your purpose. And the third one is, I starts with a word that I have discovered in my dealing with people is probably the most powerful word for achievement I've ever discovered. And that one word is surrender. Now listen closely. You surrender to your discovered purpose and live your life with love and gratitude every day. Now, what does a surrendered person look like? To me, it looks like the strongest person I could ever be. Why? I don't care what comes at me. The road to success is laden with obstacles, but the highway thins out real fast as you get up to the top. There aren't too many up there. If you surrender to your purpose, guess what that means? I'm willing to include not being liked. I'm willing to include feeling disappointed sometimes and down sometimes. I'm willing to include that people will lie to me. I'm willing to include that people don't always do what they say. I'm willing to include dishonesty from others. But I'm surrendered because nothing, nothing in my emotions is going to stop me from getting to where I'm going. So surrender, and if you look at it, surrender gives up resistance to what's between you and your mission. You take it all in and you live with it and you deal with it and live life with love and gratitude every single day. That's it. I love it. Those are three 
awesome expert action steps, George. This has been a real treat for me. Thank you so much for being uh, on the show with us today. And um, listener, you're listening to George. You're getting he's the real deal. You're getting that this man preaches the eternal verities. And not only does he preach them, he's lived them. And if you're listening to this, you, you might be thinking to yourself, Nikki, this is awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm going to check out some of George's work. I'm going to buy some of his programs. But can I be like George? Is that possible for me? And the answer I know George would say, and I would say is, yes, you can be your version of George. You can live the life you're meant to live. You can live a life of purpose. And the way for you to do that is for you to understand who you are, to understand what your expertise is, and and, and how you can share your purpose and monetize it out there in the world. And for you to do that, I recommend two things. One is go to Nikki360.com. That's N-I-C-K-Y-360.com. Check out my masterclass webinar, which will teach you all about the principles of thought leadership and heart leadership and how you can implement those inside your business. And once you've done that, if you're so moved to want to explore this further, go to ecircleacademy.com and click on the button in the top right-hand corner in the middle of the page, and let's jump on a phone call together. Let's have an honest conversation about you, about what you're trying to do with, with yourself and your business, and how we can help you get to the next level. George, my friend, thank you so much for honoring us with your presence on the show. This was incredible. Well, well the honor has been mine to be on it and share some ideas. What you're up to is great. We just need more people to keep on going. And uh, like I say, we're being asked to make a decision. Let's make the right one. 100%. 100%. And that wraps up another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. To find out more about today's incredible guest, the one and only George Zalicki, go to thethoughtleaderrevolution.com. Check out all the information in the show notes, including George's great products, as well as the discount code, which is eCircle that you can put in in the, in the coupon code line. And to find out more about how you can take that genius, that love within you and have it be part of a life of purpose, have your business be one of meaning, go to Nikki360.com, watch my webinar masterclass and go to eCircleAcademy.com and click on the button in the top right-hand corner in the middle of the page to jump on a call with me. Until next time, goodbye.